Well, I'd like for you to put your uh, trays up and your seats in the full upright position because we're going to get ready to make a landing here. We're going to make a landing when this series on being filled. And you know, that, that part of, of landing when you're flying on a commercial airline is, uh, is one of the most exciting parts of the fl flight, isn't it? Because you know you're dropping down out of the smooth air into all the bumpy stuff and boom, 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 boom and all this, and you're, you're kind of wondering, is this going to be the time that something happens? Because uh, statistically, it's probably one of the more dangerous times. Uh, and you're coming down, and you know that when you get on the ground, and you're going to safely make it to your gate, you're going to go out and you're going to do the thing that you came to do, right? And that's where we are in this series. We're in the most dangerous part of association with the Holy Spirit, and it's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the most dangerous thing you can do, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the fatality rate is 100%. <laughs> because it is God's intention to kill the old man in us and to live new life in us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And then when we get there, filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not we're done, it's we've arrived at the place we need to be so that we can go and be the people of God, kingdom people in the world. Does that make sense? So it's much like coming in for the landing. And that's where we are today. So are you ready for more? You were kind of singing it. You were kind of singing it, kind of wanting to sing it, kind of daring yourself to sing it. Ready for more? Ready for more? Are you ready for more? Because there's so much more. And there's always so much more. I mean, I've been walking for, with Jesus for decades now, and there's this thing that Jesus is calling me into that I just can't work up the courage for. And you go, oh, come on, man, we're dependent on you. Don't depend on me. I want to walk too, right? My point is there's always more. There will always be more if you're doing this right. And if you've gotten to a place where there's not new stuff, there's not more, you're doing it wrong. You're just doing it wrong. He's saying, come on, there's always going to be so much more. So we need to just keep moving in that direction. Well, we've covered some ground over the past couple of months. I've enjoyed bringing this series, and we've covered some serious ground about what it even means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, dispelling some misconceptions and some myths attached to what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, try to answer some questions along the way, We've talked substantially about how can I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? What kind of things should I be seeing? And so now we're at this place where we want to ask this question, well, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? I've been listening to you for two months, Tom. So how can, what happens? What's the process in which uh, we're engaged that causes us to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, surprisingly, uh, for me at least, there's, there's a passage in Luke chapter 11 that answers that question so clearly for us. In Luke chapter 11 in your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we're not going to put it on the screen for you today, but just listen, listen along. But in Luke chapter 11, um, it was common for the disciples of a rabbi to want to know his prayer style. That was a common thing. And remember, on a certain plane, Jesus was functioning in Israel as a rabbi with disciples that looked somewhat like other rabbis with disciples. 
So that in itself wasn't so odd. It was just the way Jesus went about everything, flipping everything on its head. Everybody else were picking the cream of the crop to be their disciples, and he was picking the cream of the crap, right? And he was saying, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take the people that no one else will have. Welcome to the vineyard. And so Jesus was flipping everything over on its head all the time, all the time in his teachings. And he would say stuff like, I know you have heard it said, but I say. And so he was taking the teachings of the, the present-day rabbis, and he was flipping it all the time. Well, it was common for these disciples of these rabbis to watch them pray and say, I want to pray like you, because I want to do everything like you. If I'm a disciple, they're saying, I want to be like you so that when you're gone, you're still here. And that's what it means to be a disciple, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ so that we can be him in the world. And so they were watching him pray on many occasions. And um, in chapter 11, he, uh, Jesus just prayed in front of them. And it was also common among these rabbis and their disciples for them obviously never to interrupt the rabbi in prayer. And so they waited for him to finish. And then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. You know, when they're saying, teach us to pray, he tells this story. Suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Hospitality was an enormous value among the Israelites. You could really never overstate hospitality. There were really very few lodges, very few inns throughout Palestine because the value for hospitality was so high that if you were moving through a town, you would go to the town gate or the town center or the town fountain, wherever the village was, and you would just show up. And people would see you there and say, oh, come and sleep in my house tonight. Yeah, that's how it happened. And so this person arrived and a friend had come and looks like unannounced, and he didn't have bread to give him. Oh, this is a big faux pas, not to have bread to set before your guest. And so this being a village, this guy knows who would still have bread, because they only made bread for the day. They made bread every day for the day, so that at the end of the day, at midnight, there would likely have been no bread in the house. Maybe it was rising somewhere so that it could be put in the oven early in the morning. He comes and says, hey, he says, a friend of mine has come on a long journey. I have nothing to set before him. And they would have known, perhaps this man would have some bread. The one inside says, don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children are with me in bed. So, you know, they all likely slept in one room, and not really in bed, but the children were probably on mats on the floor, that kind of thing. But we're all, we're all going to bed. And the door's already locked, which was a big deal. You got a bolt that typically slid through these large rings. Opening it was noisy. It would have woke the kids. Hello. We just got the baby to sleep. It's bad enough you're pounding on my door. And so this is, this is an imposition. He said, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, hold on to that. That is so key to getting the message about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Hold on to that. We'll come back to it. 
Because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Because the guy doesn't give up. He says, no, I need this. I need this. And then Jesus, after this story, explains it. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, how many of you, like me, have heard this thing abused? And say, whatever you want. Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. If you're not getting what you want, then you're not asking enough, or you're not asking right. How many of you have heard it abused that way? See, the, the big point comes as in the next part, when Jesus sets the context. Which of you fathers, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? He says, you know, you would not do it. You wouldn't do that. Your son comes and asks for a fish and go, here, have this snake. It's preposterous. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. And here it is. If you then, though you are evil, because we're born into sin. We're born into evil. He's not saying we're, 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 we're so shameful that he would have no associations. It's the condition of our lives. If you then, who are so limited by evil and so limited by sin know how to give good gifts to your children, if you would know the difference, how much more will your Father in heaven, and here's the context, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. That the whole ask, seek, knock thing is in the context of receiving the Holy Spirit. So it's not about the Lexus. You know, it's not about the new home. It's not about the new husband. Sorry, gal. It's about the Holy Spirit. The whole context of man, you ask, you'll receive, you knock, it'll open, you seek and you'll find because the Father is anxious to give the Holy Spirit to those who come to Him in this way. Asking, seeking, knocking. Look at the persistence. Asking, seeking, knocking. Not casually. Oh yeah, maybe I'll get filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe I won't. Potato, potato. No, ask, seek, knock. This progression. This is the process through which we go in order to get to the place of being ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus teaches us right away, you just come. You just come. I think you can think of the answer to the question, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit in a lot of ways. One way is to think of it in three simple steps. Number one, believe that it is God's will for you to be full of His Holy Spirit. Believe. Believe personally, Dennis. I know this is a big struggle for you. <laughs> Not. Believe. Make a decision to believe that it is God's will for you to personally be full of the Holy Spirit. Belief is always a decision. We look at data, we look at facts, and we make up our minds. We look at data about an airplane. We decide it can fly. We, we set a, a, a belief system in motion. I believe it will fly. I will demonstrate my belief by getting on one and strapping myself in, fully expecting to get to the place it's supposed to be going. But it's all a decision. It's all a decision. Now the Bible says that God has already given you all the faith that you need so that you just have to decide to point that faith towards certain realities. 
Most of you, I suspect, have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord of your life, right? And that was a decision to believe. You chose to believe that Jesus is who He said He was, that He is who He says He is. And you've entered into a dynamic relationship with Him. Now the choice is to believe, to make a decision to believe that it is God's will, Atuapande, for you to constantly be full of God's Holy Spirit, to make that choice. But I want to I I ask you to believe that it's God's will for you to be full of the Holy Spirit, not filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we think that because of the experiential nature of being filled with the Holy Spirit, we think that's it. But the reality is that God wants us to be full of the Holy Spirit. And so that as time goes on, He wants us, His will is for us to be full of the Holy Spirit. As things change, and we see that, and we saw that in an earlier message, that they came back in the book of Acts again and again to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. How can you come to this place of believing that it's the Father's will for you to be full of the Holy Spirit? Two things. Number one, read the Bible. Read the Bible. How do you come to a place of believing anything about anything? You study it. You consider it. Read the Bible. I challenge you to read the New Testament and, tell, and come back and say, no, I don't think it's God's will for people to be full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because the, the witness of the Scriptures from the beginning to end is so clear that it is God's will. And even if you start in Genesis, you see this evolution, this development of a greater and greater and greater release of the Holy Spirit into the lives of God's people. So you read the Bible. Second, apply logic to it. You say, no, I don't think God would want us to be full of His Holy Spirit. Where does that leave you? So you're struggling along on your own? Okay, you accept Jesus as Savior, now you're expected to somehow figure it out on your own, to live the life on your own? Well, if you could have done that in the beginning, you wouldn't have needed Jesus, right? So you have to just apply logic. that says, God wants me to be full of His Holy Spirit because I have no good thing in me. So I have to be filled with His Holy Spirit so something good can live in me and I can represent Jesus Christ to the world. Is this making sense? See, there's logic. So read the Bible and apply logic and see if you don't come to the place of believing that God wants you to be full of His Holy Spirit. Why would God want to fill you with His Holy Spirit, Matt? Well, because He loves you. Because He loves you. The perfect Father. Don't make me show you Romans 5, 5 all over again. How God pours His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Why would God... Why would God... Some of you are saying, why would God... Well, because He loves you. You say, why would He love me? I don't know why He would love you. You're a mess. I don't know. I don't know why He would love me. But that's the thing about love is you don't get to pick who loves you. Even when you make it difficult, if they say, I still love you, you don't get to decide. You don't get to tell them, no, you don't love me. You don't get to pick. You don't get a vote. And God loves you. He loves you. And so the Holy Spirit comes because of that. And so when you're believing that it's God's will for you to be full of the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you as you present yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit today to expect something wonderful to happen expect it. 
This is not some psychological thing. Expect it. Expect that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, something wonderful will happen. You know, we looked in one of the messages through the, through the book of Acts and saw that speaking in tongues is not necessarily evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit or the only evidence. But one thing you can come away from in reading that is that in every case, something noticeable happened. Something happened. You don't get filled with the Holy Spirit and walk away and go, but I guess I was. Some people sense it in greater dimensions than others, and others express it more demonstrably than others. But expect today, as part of this belief, that something wonderful is going to happen. Number two, consider any obstacles that may stand in the way of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have in one way or another tried, I don't know if I've hit all the services, sorry if I didn't, but tried to touch on uh, the seven most common obstacles, which are unbelief. That's sort of the first one. If you don't believe, it's, it's just not going to happen because it's a faith relationship. Unconfessed sin. If you're holding back unconfessed secret sin and refusing to give it over to the Lord, you're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, pride. What a wonderful day that was when so many men came humbled themselves before God and the church. I'll never forget that. I will never forget a few weeks ago when so many, many men came and humbled themselves and asked God to break their pride. Pride, fear, your fear of what will happen next will keep you from believing, will keep you from releasing. Um, Disillusionment. Some of you have been around this pole so many times and nothing has happened for you for a variety of reasons perhaps, but you're just saying, I'm just so disillusioned. Please give God another chance. Give God another chance. You've been listening to various versions of tall, bald guys all of your life maybe, and you've heard it cast in different ways. Would you just go through the tall, bald guys and would you just give God a chance to fill you with his Holy Spirit? Indifference? I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I want to promise you, if you are overcome with indifference about being filled with the Holy Spirit, I think you should question whether you're hanging out with Jesus at all. Because Jesus is remarkable. I mean, even... Am I, can I ask you this? You're reading the Scriptures with a desire to know God, and you're coming away indifferent? No, you say, I'm not reading the Scriptures. Well, there you go. <laughs> indifference is another obstacle. Uh, And another one that I I think is worth mentioning is unfair comparison. And you look at one guy, one lady, and they're all, you know, juiced up because the Holy Spirit has come on them, and you say, oh, I can never do that. Well, don't then. Present yourself uniquely to the Holy Spirit and give Him power to do what He wants to do in the filling, and you will experience it. But you need to consider these things. These These things are to be lifted up to the Lord because they're not only the things that will prevent you from being filled with the Holy Spirit, they are the same things that will keep you from being full of the Holy Spirit. So let's say you're a a believer and at some point you were filled with the Holy Spirit and now you're harboring secret, unconfessed sin or pride. Well, what that's doing is it's, it's keeping, it's preventing the work of sanctification from occurring in your life so there's a greater place for more of the Holy Spirit. So these very same obstacles that would keep a person from ever being filled with the Holy Spirit in the first place 
are the same things that prevent a person from experiencing more of the Holy Spirit and therefore being full. Does that make sense? This is better teaching than you're giving me reaction for. But you're entitled to react any way you want. Thank you. I'll take that. Woo! Good. So what do you do with these obstacles if you're aware of them? Well, you present them to God for Him to deal with. You lift them up. Say, God, I'm, I have fried. God, I'm afraid. God, I, 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 I can't get my mind around this to believe. Well, just lift it up to God. I'm just here to help you as your brother. I'm not your priest. I can't open a bucket and give that to you. I'm just here as a kind of a specialized brother to bring this word to you and, and, and just lift it up to God himself and say, God, I, I'm not happy about this. And then, and then let God come and deal with you. And then follow his lead. Follow his lead. God will keep bothering you with stuff along the way. Follow his leading. But that's how these obstacles are overcome. And that's true for everybody in the room, whether you're filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time or refilled so that you will be full. And the third thing is so key and obvious. Just ask Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit. Ask God. Ask Him. <laughs> Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Ask Him. That seems so obvious, yeah? Just ask him. If you look at verses 9 and 10 again of our text. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Knock, and the door will be open. Uh, seek, and you'll find. Let's flip the order there. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. You've wanted to believe that, but you've been so disappointed because you've asked for stuff that you haven't received, right? But what if we backed this up and just took Jesus at face value for his words and consider the fact that he's talking about his Holy Spirit? And ask him. Because God, if you look at this, you know, he says, who of you, if his son asks for a, and a bread, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And the comparison there is that God always wants to give us the best thing. How many of you would look back on some of those things you prayed for in context of I need the Lexus or the whatever, and you realize now that had you received that thing, it could have been a bad thing. Anybody? Yeah. You're kind of glad you didn't get that one answered? Yeah. And some of you are sorry that you received some of the things you asked for. But the teaching of Scripture is God always wants to give us the best thing. So when we surrender, the best thing He can give us is Himself. I mean, what would be better? To have this longing for Alexis or whatever your thing might be. I don't know what your thing is. The longing for the thing that you just couldn't get over? i got to have that thing, God! Come on, God! Or to be filled with Him so you go, Ah, thing, shming, whatever. And to be released from the constant pulling of society on shaping the things that you want. When he comes, you're released. You still want things. You still get stuff. But it's so different. It's so different when it's really not yours. Last week, I left my motorcycle parked out there. I always leave the key in it, by the way. And uh, somebody came in and he said, Hey, man, did you know you left a key in the bike? I'm like, yeah. 
what would you do that for? I said, well, I'm thinking if somebody needs it, they can take it. And the guy goes like, I said, do you want to take it? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and so I said, well, I'll be here for a little while longer. Go ahead and take it. It's my ride home, so, you know, bring it back. Yeah, it got clutch cable and everything on this one. But it's so different. Yeah, it's cool to have stuff. But what if it's not yours? What if you don't sit and worry about it? What's better? To have him, right? Here's a key issue in this whole asking. You say, just ask him. And it has to do with verse 8 of our text. So the guy's coming and he's saying, I tell you, though, he will, not, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And this, sound, this word boldness, this word boldness sounds like we're supposed to go and say, Give me your Holy Spirit! And somehow that just intuitively doesn't seem right, does it? The Greek word, this will clear it all up for you, is anadia. See? I mean, if they just would have said anadia, you would have got it right. You know what it means at its core? Shamelessness. Shamelessness. That because of this man's shamelessness, and that characterizes the prayer for the Holy Spirit, is a lack of shame. And just coming before the Lord, not demanding but saying, Lord Jesus, if I have to take my shirt off in front of all these people and roll around on the floor, crawl on my belly like a reptile, and foam at the mouth to get your Holy Spirit, that will not be too much to ask. Now, good for you that that's not what the deal is. But there is a shamelessness. There is an anti-sophistication to receiving the Holy Spirit. God wants to de-sophisticate us. And so many people resist coming to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it's like, oh, I don't want to get up in front of people. And I don't know, what if I start crying or snot comes out? We have Kleenex! Lots of it. Because of Anadia. You come and because of his shamelessness, he was unashamed to just come and say, no, I need the bread, I need the bread. It, it, it's precipitated from a place of desperation. That's what shame... I, I, I'm desperate for this bread! Because of the man's shamelessness, his desperation. Are you desperate for the Holy Spirit? That's what's going to precipitate the right kind of asking. Are you desperate or are you just curious? You're the place of, God, I have to have you. I'm going to quit if I don't get you. I'm giving up if I don't get you, Lord. There's a boldness to that, right? But it's, it's precipitated by this desperation by this shamelessness. I don't care what I have to do to get this. That's the shamelessness. Precipitated by desperation. Are you ready for more? Careful now. He's going to kill you. He's going to put an ice pick right through your heart. Say, there, now I got you. He wants to change everything. Are you ready for more? Okay. 
gets bumpy when you come down out of the clear clouds or above the clouds of religion. You're just cruising along. Sundays, ooh, yeah. Okay, a little home group action. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I'm digging that. This is nice. And you start saying, let's go down for a landing, Lord. There it gets a little bumpy. You ready for more? I saw something earlier this morning in prayer that I've never seen before. I was approaching the building here a little bit before dawn. And in the Spirit, not with these eyes, but in the Spirit, as I was driving up to the building, I wasn't quite on the property yet, I saw this pulse of light. Boom! Over the whole property. It was a pulse. Boom! Of light. And it was a white, kind of platinum light. It's hard to describe some of the colors you can see sometimes in the Spirit. It's like they don't have... We don't have words to describe these colors. The whole place was this poof, was one pulse. I was stunned. And so I did what I have learned to do over the years. I said, Lord, what was that? Holy Spirit, what was that? And here are the words I heard back. That was my heartbeat. That was my heartbeat. Poof. Pressing in on that as I prayed for a while, I got this sense that if the Lord has an actual heart, you know, of course He has a heart. Supposing every beat could go to a fellowship, a gathered group of his choosing. When your heart beats, poof, what happens? Blood just pours through your body. So many good things happen. The good stuff in the blood goes to your cells, and the bad stuff in your cells goes back into the blood and goes out. One beat, poof. It's happening all the time. There are so many thousands and thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands of gathered believers. I'm not saying this is theological. It's just a revelation I got. It's not doctrinal, but suppose the Lord wanted to send us one beat today. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit I'm talking about. And with that, I saw just power. I saw forgiveness coming. Blood of Jesus. Healing. One beat of God's heart in our direction. That's what you're craving. You're craving the beat of God's heart in your life. The rabbi's heartbeat. (laughs) 
So, Lord, we lay ourselves before you now. And we believe because of the witness of your scripture that you want us to be full of your Holy Spirit individually and as a church. We recognize these things that the devil means to prevent this from happening and we lift them up to you, O Lord, and we ask you to touch and to bless and to heal and to relieve us from these things. And so now we ask you, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, in the name of your own Son, Jesus, who said, it's good that I go away because if I go away, the Father will send another. In the name of Jesus Christ and everything he did for us on the cross, we ask for you now to send your Holy Spirit to us. And expectantly, we present ourselves for this filling. If you have a person here who's today who's ready for more, you're sure about that, come on up.